Three summers ago, we went out to Utah for my sister-in-law's wedding. Great event, and they had this rehearsal dinner where they invited everyone to this farm located about an hour outside of Salt Lake City. This, this farm had a large barn on it that had been converted into a venue for hosting weddings. They used the center portion of it for this really long table, and then they used the stables that, that had once had horses and, and cows in them for still more tables and, and chairs for guests. And then on either side of this, of this long barn, the doors were, were open so that you could have a view in either direction to, to the expansive farmland. It was beautiful. And of course, this sort of choice has become more and more popular on the wedding scene in recent years. Whether, whether it's the wedding itself or maybe a rehearsal dinner or, or the reception afterwards, more and more people have had interest in having it take place in a barn or on a farm. Certainly some couples choose this, choose this because maybe one or both of them grew up on a farm or has a family with a farm. But, but as a pastor who officiates a good amount of weddings, mostly what I see is people with no connection to barns or, or farmlands. They are the ones looking for this kind of wedding. And, I, and I've wondered what... What is that all about? Why, when, when people start to think about where and how they might make these their most sacred vows, why are they drawn to think of farmland? Now, I imagine there could be any number of, of good and interesting reasons we could come up with, but, but part of me wonders if maybe, almost at a, at a largely unconscious level, we recognize that the way and the pace of the land tells an essential truth. Namely, that there is something about the way all of, of the crops slowly and surely grow and into abundance, into a harvest, that speaks truthfully about the way that love actually grows. And, and so the farmland speaks truthfully about the way we hope our own marriages, our own friendships, our own relationships might grow and flourish. I wonder, especially amid our increasingly disconnected, often fast-moving society, I wonder if all of these farm weddings do not signify at some level a desire to be re-anchored, re-paced, re-rooted, or, or to go with Jesus' word, to abide again in something or even someone real. In John chapter 15, you heard Jesus employs agricultural imagery to get the heart of, to the heart of how we grow and flourish as followers of Jesus and, and, and grow into the fullness then of all that God has made us to be. And while there's far more in this passage than we can cover today, the basic equation that Jesus puts forth for, for church growth is deceptively simple. I am the vine. I am here. I am present. I am the ever-abiding source of life and love, justice and mercy, and I remain in you. And you, you are the branches. You are that which grows from me as you remain in me, and in time, with some pruning, 
there's a harvest of fruit. And when Scripture talks about fruit, perhaps the most comprehensive list comes from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 that Nancy alluded to in the children's message. The fruit of the Spirit, fruit birth of remaining in the vine, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the equation, right, for, for, for genuine growth. And in one sense, it is, it is so simple. The singular thing the branches need to do is, is, is remain in one place, rem- be connected to that singular space, abide in, be rooted in the vine. And yet, even upon hearing that, I think many of us readily recognize we struggle mightily to do that. And I wonder if it's, if it's because at some level, intuitively, we really do know how much the branch then must give up. The branch that abides in the vine, it's not in control of the pace of its growth. The branch that, that, that abides, it's not in control of the direction of the growth, toward what people, what issues, what space the Lord might lead. The branch that abides does not control how long its reach of influence will be, how thick its foliage of shelter might be, how abundant the fruit will be, or even what kind of fruit might flourish most. The branch that abides does not control when the best time is for necessary pruning or how much pruning is needed. And then on top of the branch losing all of that control, the vast majority of the time the branch itself cannot tell that it's growing. Nor can most others most of the time. Much of the time growth feels like waiting mixed in with some painful pruning. It's no wonder. Branches, we branches, are sometimes or even often tempted to, to not remain abiding on the vine with this deep and abiding sense of trust and, and connection. It's no wonder that can be kind of a, a, a secondary or something that is not always attractive because we really are much more comfortable with being in charge of our lives, our church, and the ways that we can, we can measure that, right? Given the right opportunities, the, the right classes, the right social media campaign, the, the right website, the, the right name association, we can grow ourselves. And, and we can have diplomas and certificates and, 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 and click rates to prove the growth. Given the right schools, the, the right extracurricular activities, the right exposures, we can grow our children. Given a little more more money, some relevant updates, some helpful books, some good service opportunities that are attractive to a wide swath of folks, folks, uh, some good food, we can grow our church. And of course, we, we can track that metric readily by how many more people are now added to the branch or how many are subtracted, how much more money is added to the branch or how much is subtracted. And yet, have you ever watched a couple who believes they can grow their child or their children just right if they can get that child or those children to, to all the right sport leagues and art events and activities and music things. and 
Or have you ever watched a church that, that is sure more and more people really will flow into the live stream and then and in person if, if, if we can get the, the programs right, the, the, the books and the theology set, the, 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 the best sort of guest speakers and unique events, the music, a wide array of programming just so for, for every age, a really good everything all together. Have you ever been that person who is so good at multitasking for, for yourself, for your family, for the company? And then have you ever observed that in precisely among those people or, or those settings or even within yourself, a word that can frequently get used is overextended. Overextended branches are thin, they're weak, they're flimsy, they're, they're actually increasingly brittle, brittle and, and dangerously susceptible to snapping. Because even as they look like they are really going farther and farther, they are moving further and further from the nutrient source. And even if sometimes it seems they, that, that you can grow apart from the vine because, goodness gracious, look how the product's growing. Look at the, 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 the revenue, the, the, the budget, the, the, the experiences going on, the things going on, the membership growth. Look at the, isn't it true we can sometimes see that and wonder, gosh, they have so much, there's so much there, but, but then where is the enduring quality fruit of love, joy, peace, patience? Kindness, generosity. Are any of us overextended branches? Or another phrase we sometimes use when hustling here and there and trying to do this and that or make things grow over here and grow over there or make, help make people grow over here and, and go over, over there. We sometimes talk about burnout. Where do we get that phrase, that word? Perhaps Jesus, whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Now, sometimes I think we read this verse and envision God proactively taking disobedient followers and, and, and flinging them into the fire. But as a number of commentators underscore, the sense of this verse is more about telling the truth of, of what happens to us when we overextend ourselves apart from the one true source of life. We, we dry up. We grow thin and weak as kindling for a fire. And when we try to grow apart from the source from which we were made and in whom we find life, well, we inevitably burn out. It's a little wonder Jesus says in this passage, apart from me, you can do nothing. For truly, we, we are nothing if we extend ourselves in, in a dozen of ways and efforts only to, to burn out. Have, have we ever known this? Truth be told, in times of transition, like the one we're in the midst of right now as a church, even as a nation, as a world, times of acute transition are ripe for overextension and burnout because there is so much to do. There is so much more 
to worry about. There are so many more questions we want answers for because there is far more now up in the air. And then there is that unique layer that the Church of North America carries with it at this time as we recognize that the church of yesterday is not like the church of today and likely not the church of tomorrow. We, we see right? The declining trends in numbers and interests with the institutional church in North America. And, and so we readily can feel a, a pressure to, to do more, to be more fervent, to try even harder with, with fewer people and, and, and fewer resources. And times of acute transition, they tempt us to overextend and burn out as we desperately look for some kind of control. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself without abiding in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I think those words come to us today like an invitation to a farmland wedding. Implicit in any wedding invitation is that we drop the other stuff to be present. Abide in me is an invitation to let go of the expectations, the control over the direction, the pace, the way, or even the amount of pruning. That we might be open to a nourishment upon the one who already abides in us, to trust his way, to trust his space, his pace, and to know there in that singular space that that is where the true and genuine and lasting fruit is birthed. During that meal in the barn located on that Utah farm, they served us salads at one point, and, and, and at that moment when they were served, one of the staff stood up to tell us what was in this salad, and she points out to, to this and that that were growing right there on the farm, and, and then she says, and then the lettuce, the lettuce that sits at the base of your salad, that was picked just this morning. It was prepared this afternoon, and now, of course, it is on your plate. And you hear this collective, oh, wow. How amazing, which made readily clear just how many urban and suburban folks were gathered for this wedding. But everyone agreed at the table. We ate it and said, my goodness, this is, it's so simple, it's so unassuming, so unadorned from any kind of extra flavoring, and yet, wow, is that good? Whether people set foot on the soil of a church or not, they know. They know when they taste fresh from the vine, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They know, they know good quality fruit. Abide in me as I abide in you. May we stand again upon the land. Renew our sacred vows to God and neighbor, and through us may the world taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Amen.